0: Thank y'all for joining us today for the third episode of Banker Cast. I'm really excited to have a friend and a guest, Janet Wood, here with us today. She's got a long history, a long, really rich history in the banking industry, especially in the Acadiana area. And um, she's been a friend, a mentor, somebody I've looked to through for advice through the years. And um, it's really, really a humble honor for me to have you here today. Thank so, you, Janet. Um, Janet, you know, I'll put it a little bit in context, too. Um, Janet is was one of the first bank presidents, female bank presidents, mm-hmm. in the state of Louisiana, if not the Gulf South, which mm-hmm. is really quite an accomplishment. And I was young, too. <laughs> <laughs> did they know what they were doing?
1: You know what? I think they didn't, but they thought it was going to either work out or not work out one way or the other. And it,
0: I stayed it in position 17 years, so I guess it worked wow, out. it must have worked out. Yeah. So that's good. So tell everybody a little bit about your, just your... Your banking history first, we'll go there.
1: Sure, so I went to USL at the time, UL today, Mm -hmm. um, studying business management because I really didn't know where I might wanna land, but I thought business was a good idea. And um, as I advanced in my college studies, I learned about the oil industry and how they were using management-degreed individuals, bringing them in and teaching them the administrative side of their oil industry. I was fascinated by it and so mm-hmm. that about midway in my college um, uh, education i said that's it that's what i want to do because it allows me to explore and then land somewhere unfortunately the economy started to soften and so when i graduated the economy was very soft and the oil industry was significantly impacted by it and so there were no degrees it was at no the time management. when they
0: had the billboard saying last person out turn exactly. the lights out
1: are the bumper stickers that said, I believe in Lafayette. So unfortunately, really everybody, it was a great migration, especially for college graduates. Many people left primarily to go to Atlanta. That was the hot market at the time. I didn't want to leave. I really loved living here. And so I was devastated that there was no job in what I thought I really wanted. And so then I got a phone call from a friend who had graduated a year before, who happened to be a recruiter for a bank. And she asked if I would be interested in considering a position. And I'll be honest, my first response was banking seems so boring. (laughs) And so she said, think about it. And so I did. And the wise wisdom of my father, who said, what are your other options? (laughs) (laughs) You want to stay in
0: Lafayette, there's not much. She said, it
1: sounds like a pretty good gig to me. And so I joined the bank at that point. When I joined, I was in the operational side of the bank. And so I didn't deal with customers directly. I was dealing internally with people within the bank. But I realized very quickly that it was a people business. It was not, it wasn't. That banking was boring it was a people business mm-hmm. um and i think what helped me was how curious i was i wasn't just interested in operations i was curious about everything and so i always asked questions i was that one person that asked a lot of questions and every time i asked questions it it showed other leaders that i might have an interest in things and so i i throughout my banking career got asked would you consider this position would you consider that position and every time they asked me, I said, yes yeah, because that's good. it was, it was fascinating to me. I wanted to continue to well, learn. That's
0: interesting because you ask questions. Exactly. A lot of, a lot of people, when they get out into the working world, they don't want to ask questions because they feel like maybe it'll make them look less. Absolutely.
1: Although most of the time, that's exactly what it is. If I keep my mouth shut, I'll look smarter. Right.
0: And, and reality <laughs> is, is, if we don't ask, we don't learn.
1: Exactly.
0: So it's it, pay, well, it, that's it really stu- paid. That's astute that you saw that at a young age. Yeah, yeah. He must have had a really good daddy.
1: You know, he was a, he was a <laughs> professional. He was an engineer. So I, I mean, he was a, a you know very. He was had such great work ethic. So he he taught me the art of if you don't invest into your career, it's not going to invest in you, right? So I knew I'm going to work hard. I can't let up. If I want to do well, so he absolutely laid the groundwork. My mother as well; really? she was a school teacher. She she uh-huh. also had a lot of hurdles to overcome, and she taught me perseverance. And so, wow! So once I was in, she, she taught fifth grade.
0: That's fifth a grade. tough grade.
1: She was a she was a victim of polio, and so she was crippled, really? and um, decided to to get her degree and taught. And unfortunately, she had to end her career early because she just her body couldn't handle the standing all day long etc but she remained a teacher ever even afterwards you know she always seemed to have people coming to her so that they could she had a
0: heart for people which is probably where you get some of that right well I think so I think
1: so I think so 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 you do have a
0: heart to teach people
1: I think that's what I learned about myself later on it wasn't the business degree that I was Mm -hmm. really good at it wasn't the knowledge of banking that I was good at it was the knowledge of people and being curious about people and Um, investing in their development. I think that really paid off for me, really caring about the people in the bank.
0: And that's good advice to leaders today, right?
1: I don't know how you do it otherwise, truly. If you want stable teams, if you want people working for you that care and that you can rely on, you have to give, you have to develop them. You have to be interested in their development and helping them see themselves five years, 10 years from now. They they have to really say, look, I see in you the ability to get here. If you don't do that, there is no engagement. The engagement stops and they find engagement elsewhere. That's, that's true.
0: That's, that's true. Hard. And you see that today because the young people do want to have an impact and they want to be engaged. And so it, it's a good way to hold on to young talent if you I are investing so. in them, not just investing in them through pay or benefits, but investing in them inside with a heart. right? I think
1: that's even more important than the pay and the benefits. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, you see it all the time that if I see that I have a potential within this organization and you believe in me, then I, I'm going to hang on. I want to hang on because that's important to me. It's not just the here and now, but the the later.
0: So give us kind of the progression of how did you get from working in on the support side um, and then the career path to becoming a bank president?
1: So in the operational side, we had a division called the Correspondent Banking Division where we banked other banks and most of my work was on the phone. So I was moving funds for them. I was doing, you know, the backdrop stuff of taking care of them as, as customers of our bank. And the manager of that department came in to just ask me a question regarding one of the, those banks. And I said, how many women do what you do? That was my curiosity. And he said, you know, I don't think there are any women who do what I do in the state of Louisiana and I said it's interesting within two weeks he had checked it out with my boss and he invited me to go on a call to one of the banks that I handled so these were people I talked on the phone Mm -hmm. but I'd never met and so I went on the call with him and I just loved it I thought what a great job is this I get to go call another banks and get to see them and visit them and talk to them about their needs And I think within a few months, I had already moved over to that department to work in that department. So that department led to the commercial lending area.
0: And that's a major shift to go from that area to the commercial Quite
1: frankly, um, a coveted position, quite frankly. Everybody seems to look that that's such an important area of the bank. To lend money to large commercial businesses becomes something like, wow. They moved me over, sent me through a training program, and um, I loved it. I wasn't managing people. I was managing a portfolio and I did love taking care of customers. Um, I, I I thought that was wonderful. And um, the bigger the customer, the better, the more important the customer, the better. I just thought that was so much fun. I ultimately wound up managing the bank's portfolio of loans for the directors. So I was like, oh, boy, interesting, really getting into that. You so know. that means
0: they really trusted you.
1: They trusted me. And I had, I guess I had a sense of, um, knowing how to be polished (laughs) in certain areas, right? I I learned that, trust me, that that didn't come naturally. I had to learn that. And so I spent a good bit of time on the lending side and advanced to a senior commercial lender. But one of the things that they had tasked me with was to work with branch managers who were talking to commercial customers who might have lending needs. Mm -hmm. And so I became the liaison in the bank with our, our retail bankers, our retail managers. And I love that aspect of it too. So much so because I really thought that, wow, they get to manage people. And with my management degree, I thought maybe that's something I need to explore. And I did something surprising. I asked to be relocated to the retail side of the bank. And I say this only because it's the perception that one side- the other direction. Exactly. One side <clears throat> seems to be more valuable or bring more value Um, You know, to the bank than the other side. And I recognized right away that is not the case. There's so much within the retail organization. It's a microcosm of itself, right? Mm -hmm. And so I got the good fortune to learn that aspect and lead that aspect of banking. And I loved it. I really did. And I was then I began managing people. I had a a stiff learning curve going from managing myself and managing a portfolio to managing people. Um, I remember I had a good boss. I had several mentors throughout my career, but one in particular that watched me as I was growing. And he said, you gotta take I out of of your, your discussion. It's not about I anymore, it's about we. Your team is more important than you. And that shifted my perception and I started to learn. That it is about them. It's not about me.
0: Because you live and die by your team. Right? I can't
1: succeed without mm-hmm. them. Right. And so I, that was a, a great pivotal point for me that I started to to have to focus on the team itself, and I spent most of the rest of my career on that side of the bench.
0: So, what was the greatest uh, the greatest struggle in trying to learn what you needed to do, and the greatest struggle in advancement?
1: You know. This is, I have to say, I've worked for, the very first bank I worked for was a local bank. So they literally, all the branches were in the same city, et cetera. So I could walk two floors and get to the accounting division, et cetera, right? Very easy, very, very, you know, we were here. Um, And then I moved on to a regional bank. That's where they started really investing in me. And they sent me off to a school that mm-hmm. helped me learn more about my style of leadership and how I could get better at it.
0: And that's, Which school was that?
1: This was the Center for Creative Leadership.
0: Oh, interesting. I've, I've never heard of that one. Where was that?
1: This was in San Diego. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Um, they did an assessment of me. They did an assessment from the perspective of my boss, of me, and then of the people that I managed. So it was a big 360 look at Janet. And then they put me in a room with a coach and said, "Here's what you do really well. Here's what you need to work on, and let's talk about how you work on that." And so,
0: how did you handle the "This is what you need to work on"?
1: Oh, you always get that little. I wonder who said that. <laughs> you know, but quickly, my coach, who was a very good coach, said, "That doesn't matter who said it. It was said <laughs> is what's important."
0: So, and I'll, probably more than once.
1: You know, and so. <laughs> how do you think that, how do you, why do you think they perceive it that way? And, you know, I said, well, yeah, I could probably be thought of that way, but it really opened up the world of development for me because it made me to say, I have work to do and I'm interested in my development and I have to become really good at this. I mean, mm-hmm. It was important my dad had set the, the benchmark, right? He became very good at what he did and I had to become very good at what I did. And so I took it to heart and then I started leading that way. I kind of brought what I learned from the Center for Creative Leadership to what I was doing and even coaching (laughs) others. And then in my final job with which the regional bank had been purchased by a national bank. And they also continued my development. This is where they took us to Darden School of Management at the University of Virginia. And we learned um, the art of coaching and leading in tough times. And I was assigned a coach again, and um, which I loved. A lot of people didn't like being a coach. That felt awkward and unusual. They dreaded the calls that they would get from their coach. I relished every opportunity to be with a coach. And it was during that conversation that they asked me if I, I would ever be interested in becoming a coach. And I said, I don't know. Do you think I could do that? And they said, I think you could do it well.
0: And so they sent me. I would agree.
1: They sent me for further education so that I, I could see things. if maybe that's something that I would want. And so off to Georgetown University for some courses, which was such a this is such a privilege and honor to be able to do something like that. And that that just showed me um, the art, the art of leading an individual, the art of leading a team. And I have to say, it was at that point that I saw my greatest effectiveness. That. Without and actually, I worked less. I really felt like I was stressing less, working less, and getting more success because we were able to do it in a manner that.
0: So, what was the difference?
1: The difference was I learned, I learned to delegate, delegate responsibility as a tool to develop others. Right? I sometimes always felt guilty about delegating. Oh, I don't want to put that on their shoulders, but instead, I turned to say, "I'm going to put this on their shoulders because I want to see if." they want to do it, if they're good at doing it, and help them to develop because they maybe need to fill my chair when I'm gone, right? And so I used it as a tool and people responded to it. People were like, give it to me, give it to me. I also had that little quirk about me that people, they, they wanted to a voice from me. They wanted to please me. And it was just because I, I brought a very soft skill set of leading people in a nurturing way and saying, I care about you. I want to do this for your benefit. Greatest compliment I ever had was for a male manager that reported to me that told me in a very soft voice, he said, you not only made me a better banker, you made me a better man. And it took me back because it's like, what? But it's because of those soft skills that you treat people with respect. You care for them, Mm -hmm. but you're honest with them. You give them honest feedback. And then you tell them that you think they can do better and they often do.
0: I think if you give people the honest feedback in a way that they can hear it, right, it makes a big difference. I think so. Because it has to be received. It's just not about just giving feedback. It's got to be I received.
1: If, I think if they feel like <laughs> they're not being judged, but they're,
0: they're being so how helped. do So how do you make it, how do you give that feedback to somebody where they can receive it?
1: I'll give you an example. There was a, there was a time where one of my direct reports was trying to manage a manager, and the manager was just digging his heels and saying, This change, you know, there was some change happening in the bank, which happens all the time. This change is not going to work. I don't know why y'all are making us do this. It's not going to work. And his team, his entire department, was failing, but others were, were doing great. They implemented change, they did it well. And so it was like, we're doing him a disservice because if he really believes this, and I do believe he really believes this, that by doing this change, it's gonna fail, um, you know, but his boss, my direct report said, I don't know how to communicate it any better to him. So I said, let's let's do it together. And so it was it was a, few, a handful of questions, not even about the change, about him saying, do you like what you're doing? And because if you don't like what you're doing, it's gonna be hard to lead through change for sure. And he, he actually backed up and opened up and said, I've been struggling. I said, okay, do you want to leave? And he's like, no, I don't. I said, okay, let's talk about how we can get you to feel more engaged, to feel more because let me show you some facts. Here's one department that did it and look how well they're doing. So let's, why did you talk to the leader there, just say, what did you do? How did you go through this? invest in yourself to get back engaged because if you can't that, get
0: engaged probably took a lot on his part to pick up the phone calls that other person oh i'm certain of it because that's swallowing up an elephant load of fraud
1: exactly
0: <laughs> i remember when
1: i left his office he said i've never felt whipped so bad with a velvet glove <laughs> <laughs> and i said well i'm not here to whip you that's not the thing i'm here to make you successful if you don't believe i want your success then it will never work, but I do want your success. And I
0: think that's an important point for bank executives and bank managers to recognize that it, it really is about the people we manage success. It, it can't be just about our own success because if it's only focused on our own success, we're not going to be successful. But it's it's about everybody who works with us and around us. If we're focusing on helping them become more successful, then it, by, by virtue of that, we end up being more successful. Yeah. Um, not everybody recognizes that. Yeah. Yeah. Great, I mean, I've worked for people who didn't recognize that. and It was a miserable experience. And mm-hmm. I've worked for people who did recognize that and it was a great experience. Yeah,
2: sure.
0: Makes a big difference. Okay. So let's take a little bit of a left turn.
2: Okay.
0: Um, family. I know you have a son. I do. What's he doing?
1: Well, you know, we raised kids and said, look, the world's your oyster, and they believed it, and so he's so living I want, in New
0: York. I want, I mean, you have I one. one. Okay, I, I, I thought a, it was just one son. All I
1: right. have a, an older stepdaughter as well, so I got blessed later in life with a, a girl, so I'm happy. Oh, that's awesome. I'm happy about that. Um, Yes, I have a son who... um. I would say he's not he was never going to be a banker we knew that from an early age he's a he's a real creative mind mm-hmm. um very good at everything never made a be in his life and um struggled to try to identify where am i going to land in this world because everybody kept giving him the messages of you're so good at everything right and we all know we're not all
2: good mm-hmm. at everything
1: so mama one one day took him to get some aptitude testing and that was the best thing i ever did because what it did for him was it showed him you might score A's in this, but it doesn't mean it's a natural aptitude of yours, right? Your brain doesn't automatically work in a scientific way. It doesn't automatically work in a methodical way, but he was incredibly gifted with vocabulary, incredibly gifted with writing, incredibly gifted at so many things. And so they gave him a list of potential careers that the mind that he had would work with. And that, that got us to the point where we could send him off to college. He chose to go to a small liberal arts college, which was a good fit for him, really good fit for him then, versus a large university setting. And he did, he explored and developed some critical thinking and then followed a lot of his classmates to New York to explore the big city. I'm really proud of him, it's been seven years. Um, and he, well, I'm sure he's going to
0: hate to hear that you're talking about him on the podcast, but we're going to do it anyway. Of course. I hope he
1: doesn't Google.
0: <laughs> no <laughs> oh goodness. No, I'll put his email. I'll send it to him. <laughs> Look, mama was talking about you. <laughs> Bye. Uh,
1: he's, he's just, he's brilliant. Yeah. I think he's great. He's such a smart person, but I think the thing that makes me most happy is he's also a very kind person. He's always, it's funny in New York. He's recognized. You're such a nice man. I'm thinking That's, that's the South. That's what you took with you. And that's I'm so right. happy that you took that. Kind sure. this so, I mean, he's
0: probably very good at hospitality, I would imagine.
1: He's quiet. He's actually more introspective or not, but you get him in a group of people who challenge him and watch he does. I mean, he comes out, he and That lack,
0: I can't help but come out of oh, him. My
1: gosh.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Joie it's, de vie. It's Joie innate. Joie de vie. Yeah, that's <laughs> It's a right.
0: little innate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so okay. let's take another turn. Okay. Banking today.
1: So I, you know, I've been out of it a little while, so. Um,
0: but you still talk to a lot of people. Of course in the I bankers. do. Of course I and do. And cha- there's real challenges out there today for bankers.
1: When it's not being dri- driven by the bankers, right? It's right. being driven by the technological age that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. I think what I worry about most for my friends that's, that are still in banking is that they might let the changes that are happening make banking more of a commodity. Banking's not a commodity. Mm-hmm. banking is a service and I liken it to you know um, Chick-fil-a is a fast food business no different than all the others right But they chose to set themselves apart by saying but we're also a service industry and we're going to be the best at it and so and you see it right you see it that I mean in every experience with them it is that way as bankers I hope No banker says we're a commodity and all I do is sell something and that's it. Because there will always be a need for human intervention in banking. I believe it. It cannot be a full self-service industry. And when there is need for that human intervention, the expectations are that you're going to care and that you're going to take care of me. And I think sometimes it doesn't go that way, right? We certainly know other service industries that are not fulfilling that. So I hope that bankers recognize that what they do is important. It is not a commodity. And that if they lead with a service mentality that we're gonna take care of these customers that drive the value for our bank, we're mm-hmm. going to take care of them at the highest level, they'll do fine, they'll do great.
0: It's kind of like people skills. I tell my kids, if you can willing to work and communicate.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's probably the two most exactly. important skills somebody brings to any job, really right? Any job, really.
2: Absolutely.
0: Um, young banker coming in. Mm-hmm. We have some young bankers who listen in. Um, I've gotten some comments from young bankers and questions. What do they need to do to be successful? And, and you said it's relationship, but I, let's say I'm a young banker. and I want to educate myself in the banking world, or I'm thinking I'm coming out of college and I'm thinking about going into banking. Um, what would you tell me?
1: So first of all, I'd say, be curious. It's that, that, you know, find out everything that you can. But I'm going to tell a new banker also that you may have skill sets that people who have been in banking for 20 years that are working alongside of you don't have. You probably embrace and understand technology a lot better. And as, as service points move more towards the technological side of things, you could also serve to be a leader in that, to show people, to mm-hmm. explain it, not to, to look at, you should know it. The reality is many of us didn't grow up with that, that, mm-hmm. that we were very far um, removed from technology. Hadn't
0: been, PCs hadn't been invented when it. I first started.
1: Typewriters still exist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, they were fax machines were newfangled, you know, I mean, so.
0: But it was the fax machine that did the Exactly. Thermal.
1: Exactly. So the reality is you could be of great assistance by saying, I understand this, I get it, I know it, and I'm gonna show others Mm -hmm. how to use it and why it's important and why it could help our customers out, right? Because I think there's a whole group of bankers who are scared of it and probably because of that, shy away from knowing anything. Don't tell me about it because I don't know, but we all should know it, we all should know it.
0: Okay, so let's kind of pull it all together. Um, I'm a young banker or an older banker or a bank president at a community bank somewhere. And they're sitting here listening to this and they're, and you're going to give them three pieces of primary advice. Some of them I've heard already, but kind of summarize it for me. Give me three things that I have to do. What are three things? I want to walk away from here today. And I'm going to go do those three Absolutely. things, three actions.
1: I would say invest in your development. There's nobody more responsible for your own advancement in any Job than yourself, and so if it means stepping out and learning something new within your career, within your job, do it. Be curious. Go find out. Ask questions. Learn it. Okay? Okay, it brings immense value. Your managers should be more than happy to import knowledge. Okay, they may not have time because they're trying to navigate through change, et cetera. But by by you taking the initiative and asking questions, I'm sure they'll. Happy to answer those questions for you, right? Mm-hmm. Arm yourself with knowledge for sure, okay? Okay, the other thing I said, curious, and that's the, the question asking. Then I, I would say, remember that it's not just about you, this is an organization that needs to have the participation of all involved, right? And so, you are part of a large team. And um, you need to act like a team member, right? It's not just about you. And the success of the team means the success of the bank, which means your success. Okay. So I think you have to embrace the mentality that it's not just about me. If I'm not feeling engaged, the first question I should ask is why, what am I not doing? What should I do? to change that, right? How can I be more engaged? Maybe I can pitch in and do something more. Maybe I can learn something more, right? Maybe I can change my attitude. So I think it's important to own that, be responsible for your own development. And the last thing I would say is don't give up too quick. I think it's a fast paced world. And I think people are, are, it's very easy to say, okay, I've done it, I'm done, I'm out of here. I think it's an incredible career, quite frankly. I think there's so much to know and learn from it. And I think people give up too fast. I think people say, you know what? I'm going to go try this. I'm going to go try that. But, you know, time goes by pretty quickly and, and you might have only tried several things instead of investing. If you want a career, if you want development, and if you want to grow... Sometimes it takes staying put and learning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not always greener on the other side. That's it's so not. True. You got to, you know, you got to invest in a career if you want a career.
0: So the first couple of years are always tough. Without a doubt. You always. don't see
1: yourself. You don't see where you're going. You think, you feel like, oh, what, what, what you know, what is, what's in it for so me? So have a little staying power. Yeah. That makes sense. I would agree.
0: Okay. So Louisiana Langyap questions. Favorite bottle of wine?
1: Oh, God. The best bottle one I ever had was a Canus, and it was really, really good. I don't okay. buy it for myself because I'm not, I don't drink. I definitely don't drink by myself, but. <laughs>
0: well, that's probably good.
1: In, in, a, in a group setting, uh, if somebody said, pick Caymus.
0: the bottle. Okay. It's All right. Favorite dessert?
1: Chocolate. anything. <laughs> chocolate. Anything. <laughs> my
0: grandmother used to make a chocolate pound cake. Oh, still my favorite. Chocolate. Um, favorite meal? Louisiana meal.
1: Yeah. Boiled crabs. Oh, and so we're in and the, the season the right same now. Thing. Okay. I said, if I ever go to prison and I'm on death row and they ask me what my last meal, I'm like, I want four, four. dozen big fat jumbos. Okay.
0: Four dozen. That's a lot of crabs. Hey,
2: I'm <laughs> not going to be here tomorrow. Come on. <laughs>
0: That's a lot of crabs. It would take, take you a good amount of time to eat that. <laughs> That's
2: awesome.
0: Okay. Well, I, I want to uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, coming in and um, just it's really been an honor and humbling to have you here. Thank you. And um, you always have such a great impact on people. And I know today you're out coaching nonprofit managers and having the impact in the nonprofit world, which is beautiful and wonderful. And so I, I know you're going to be one of those people, when you lay your head down on the pillow for the last time, you're not going to have any regrets. Hopefully
1: so, with some crabs. Yeah, hopefully
0: with some crabs. We'll have to make sure your husband knows about that. Her last meal is crabs. He should know. He doesn't know he's in trouble. He knows. Um, and I want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, this, we're going to wrap it up today. I think we've gotten a lot of really good information. I really like the point about being curious. I think that's that gets missed a lot. And so I'm going to remember that for myself, and I'm going to remind some young bankers for that. And if y'all have um, any questions you'd like to ask, you're welcome to hit us up on our website, highperformanceteams.net. The podcast will be posted on um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, amongst other podcasts. And we want to thank you for joining in today.